For the past year, we've been talking about what it would look like in a post-Roe America on the abortion issue. Today, we're going to be drilling down on issue one, which would raise the threshold to 60 percent to amend the Ohio Constitution. My good friend and colleague, Jonathan Van Maren, will be joining me. Also, we got some breaking news going out, coming out of uh, Indiana, uh, pro-life law that's been put into effect there. We're going to talk about that. And the DuPont Clinic is not happening in Beverly Hills. We'll have an update. Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to The Mark Harrington Show. You can find out more by going to markharrington.org. And you can pick up the podcast on all the popular podcasting platforms. And you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and all those platforms as well. My guest today is uh, Jonathan Van Maren. And Jonathan is with us this weekend because he's going to be speaking to our interns at our summer internship graduation. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for being on the program. Thanks for coming to Columbus. Awesome to be here. <laughs> it's a good place. Uh, so Jonathan is the communications director for the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. I had to ask Jonathan a day or two ago where we actually met, which yeah. is in 2010 at the University of Florida at Gainesville when we were uh, down there helping with your uh, the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. I was touring at the time with yeah. Stephanie Gray. He was now Stephanie Gray Connors, and uh, we were. That was one of the first times that we helped lead your team down into Florida yep. because in, in Canada it's hard to do the genocide awareness project. Yeah. So this was a good opportunity for us to train Canadians, and so that's that began the relationship with CCBR and Jonathan, and we've known each other ever since for 13 years. Uh, Jonathan's an author, speaker in North America on the cutting edge of, of pro-life activism. And so we've got a few minutes with him here before we meet with our interns tonight. And I figured we'd, uh, we'd uh, go over a couple of things. So Jonathan, let me just ask you this. We, we had this, uh, this story coming out of the Brookings Institute yeah. talking about pro-life activism, uh, pro-life leaders. You know, we hear that the younger generation isn't pro-life, that they're woke, you know, that they've lost their religion, all that. Mm -hmm. This seems to counter that. It seems to say something very different. Uh, you know, pro. I'm out on college campuses. Yeah. I see it. Yep. I wonder. You know, are we losing the next generation? This this says something that it's very interesting to me. I think maybe we got some hope. Yeah. So in the mainstream culture, I think a lot of the data is pretty depressing. But one of the really uh, interesting things that stood out to me when I was reading through uh, this data, and it's sort of like right in the middle of uh, of the Brookings Institute report, is they say that 38 percent of white evangelicals ages 18 to 29. Mm -hmm. uh, I think abortion should be illegal in every single case. And what's interesting is the trajectory here, because only 27% of those 30 to 49 feel the same way. 17% of those between uh, ages 50 and 64, and 15% of those 65 and older. And so what that indicates is that every new generation of evangelicals are more committed to the pro-life cause rather than less committed. I think that's something that you see at your organization, and definitely we see at our organization for sure. Well, and that's good news because I'm wondering, you know, I look at our, our churches and I think, where where are we on mm -hmm. all this? You know, uh, my generation, I'm a boomer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're very pro-life. Mm -hmm. But I happen to wonder about our young people. We see it here. I mean, they, they want to get in the fight. They yep. care about justice. They want to stand for the unborn. Um, a lot of my homeschoolers. 
right? Yep. Which is good. Yep. You know, they come out of the homeschool tradition and, and out of the Christian school systems. Uh, but, you know, I see these polls done by pro-life organizations saying, you mm -hmm. know, the, yeah, this, this, this generation is more pro-life. And I always read those with a little skepticism. <laughs> this is not a pro-life source, right? Brooklyn's Institute. No. So they're, where are they getting this? Where are they getting these numbers? How can we trust this poll? Well, it's a PRRI pool, which is, is really interesting. So I, I think it's about as few research. I think that's about as, as as mainstream as you can get polling wise. The polling agency certainly has no vested interest in in, right. in in providing these results. What I think though is a lot of the major polls taking a look at where young people are at um, don't answer the more interesting questions that would inter interest pro life activists like us. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the sort of the rise of the nuns. Right? people who are identifying as people who have no religion at all. Um, most of those people are actually just people who were cultural Christians, were not attending church at all. And now that the cultural call the culture is hostile to Christianity rather than favorable towards it, yeah. they just stopped identifying as Christian. And so you're seeing a lot of interesting data where the number of people going to church hasn't necessarily been a whole lot less. The number of people willing to identify as Christian is dropping. Because That's all of right. the cultural cachet is gone. Yeah. Um, in that book, actually, Live Not By Lies that you got behind you by Rod Dreher, <laughs> yeah. he has that funny story about his dad getting mad at him when he converted to Catholicism. And he said to his dad, like, you don't even go to church. So why does it matter if I'm not Methodist? You don't attend church. And he said, the Methodist church is the church I don't go to. Uh, <laughs> which is, I think, kind of sums up what the cultural Christian yeah. is all about. Yeah. Jonathan Van Maren is my guest today. You can go to endthekilling.ca, yeah. right? Endthekilling.ca. He's here in Columbus, going to address our uh, internship graduation tomorrow. We're going to meet with our interns tonight, and I wanted to take a few minutes with him and pick his brain on a couple of things. Uh, he lives across the border. We yep. all get that, but he follows American politics and the pro-life movement here in the U.S. very, very closely. You know, one of the things that I love about CCBR is their ability to recruit young people. Uh, you know, we do a pretty good job here, mm -hmm. actually. But you guys do an amazing job. I mean, I look at your numbers up there. You say you have 50 interns this summer. Yeah, we've got 80 it's, people on payroll right now. I mean, that's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I've always attributed to, well, you guys are, you know, up against the wall up there. You know, in America, we have, you know, pick your ABCD pro-life organization. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of a cultural thing in the United, United States. It's a whole different ballgame down here. And so there's a lot of opportunities, different, you know, kinds of groups and stuff that you can jump into. I've always attributed to that, but I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, you, I asked you, what attracts young people to CCBR? What is it that you do that gets these people to want to do what they do? I mean, these are folks that could uh, go to college, mm -hmm. many of them, or yep. they've graduated. Yep. They could have gone on and gotten getting in their careers and all this. No, but they choose to work for you guys and they raise their own support. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, look, I'm looking for that type of thing happening here in the U.S., especially with Create Equal. So can you give us a few tips on why you guys have been so successful? I think a, a key thing is that what we're doing actually works. And people really underestimate the value of, of activism that allows young people to experience the change themselves. So when with our work, the people who are coming on our team and coming back for repeat summers and then often deciding to work for us, um, they're doing so because they're sick of hearing from the older generation that the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket, that everything's changing around them. Yeah, and, it's and worse look, in Canada than it is here. Oh, substantially worse, right? Canada's a, a, a generation or maybe two generations ahead of you in terms of how wow. post-Christian we are, mm -hmm. because we, like the percentage of people who attend any form of worship in Canada is roughly 11%, so 89% don't. Wow. 
Um, but when you get out there on the street and you see people change their minds just because they see a victim of abortion, just because they hear a simple argument, it's incredibly empowering when you realize that the law is not going to protect preborn children. So then we have to step into the gap and we actually can do so. It's not just that we have the responsibility to do something. We have the ability to do something. Right. And so that I think it's the reason so many people come back is because it works, because they actually get to experience the empowerment of seeing somebody who was pro-abortion become pro-life and they get to see it happen every day. So it's the activism. It's always the activism. And what is yeah. it about maybe your type of activism that inspires them over, say, they could work for another organization in the country? Uh, you know, what we do here in the United States isn't unique, although mm -hmm. there aren't a whole lot of people doing what we do. We've got a handful of groups, yep. Protect Life Michigan, yep. CBR, you know, Defend Life, whatever, those kinds of organizations. But, um, you know, to me, it's like, what is it that attracts them up there? For us, like our strategy is very similar to uh, the other groups you mentioned, specifically you guys and, and Protect Life Michigan, where we're kind of a fusion of Greg Cunningham's social reform abortion victim photography strategy and Scott Klusendorf's apologetics, which work a little bit differently for us in Canada. We have a, our own manual on how we have those discussions because there's cultural differences in how the arguments are, are received in different places. Yeah. But that fusion has worked really effectively for us. We also go door to door with graphic postcards. We see people change their minds at the doorstep. And that's something I think that young people want to know that there's something that they can actually do, that they don't have to just stand by and watch the culture burn, that they don't have to hear over and over and over again that everything's going downhill and there's nothing they can do about it. And kids want to save the world. And when you give them the chance to actually do something where they're like, you know what, a little boy, a little girl's alive because I got up this morning. That's well, cool. you know, we do the very same thing, right? Activism. Yep. And we combine it with, with good pro-life apologetics. Uh, we're well-informed, we're bold and bright. Yeah. I mean, we try yeah, to be yeah, anyway, yeah. right? Greg Cunningham's got a quote for everything. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> if, if you could measure, is it like 60-40, 70-30, or 50-50 under your emphasis? In oh. activism versus training, no. speaking, everything. going to churches, doing apologetic uh, uh, you know, events and things like this. What's the point of any of that without activism? Like everything that our organization does. Because that doesn't put them in the game. No, everything that our organization does is oriented towards activism. So like my, like I do a lot of the fundraising at CCBR, that fundraising is to put activists on the street and, and to put signs in front of eyeballs. The reason we do, we go to churches is to take people out of churches and put them on the street. The reason we do training is so they can use the arguments. So I would say that um, we're 100% activism focused because everything else we do, the whole point of it is to enable the activists. The 18-year-old um, on the street in Canada right now having a conversation about abortion is doing the real work. Everything that I do as a speaker is just to make sure they can do their job. And I just saw you guys finished a national tour. Yeah. What would you call it? The Face of Abortion, the right? Faces of Abortion. Faces tour. of Abortion. Yeah. Tell us about that because that looked really impressive. I was watching some of the videos. You guys got the trucks. Now you have yep. the LED screens, which is got to love them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you got to love them. Keep up in the game, you know, 100 percent. So one of the things we really wanted to do sort of post COVID after two years of chaos and a lot of people having to stay home and things like that was to reintroduce Canadians to the victims of abortion. Mm -hmm. And um, we really wanted to highlight the fact once again that abortion is not about a what abortion is about a who. We aren't talking about, you know, potential people or people who should be here. We're talking about people who were here and they were brutally murdered. They were decapitated, dismembered and disemboweled. And so we used a bunch of photographs that we'd never used in Canada before. Some of them you guys have been using for a couple of years already. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of those photographs are photographs you procured yourself. 
from the DC five, those as well. Some, so we had some from the DC five, yeah. some from, uh, from created equal. Yeah. Um, uh, and then like, well, even that photo, that photograph of that, that, like that baby's head, that's partly severed, you know, laying on the cloth, like, Ugh. and that picture is particularly horrifying because the baby is both obviously a beautiful baby, but so obviously destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, what people who did criticize abortion victim photography often don't understand is it's not about the gore or the graphic nature of the image. It's about establishing a human connection and that's forcing right. them to confront the fact um, that abortion is about a who, not a what. Like uh, victims of abortion, as Monica Miller said, mm. have a right to bother you. Amen. Amen to that. And, uh, you know, let me ask you one more question mm -hmm. that I want to go to just some post Dobbs stuff, US yeah, yeah, yeah. politics, that kind of stuff. We might be here a little longer than mm -hmm. I figured. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, you know, the trucks? You got, mm -hmm. we fly airplanes, yep, yep. we do the LED screens on trucks and mm -hmm. what like that. Obviously, you can't have conversations. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. Uh, is there a downside to doing it that way? Or is it part and parcel of what you guys believe? I think. The more eyeballs, the better. We're not going to reach enough people one on one. No, we're that's not. the way I see it. Um, well, so we can prove that, right? The the, the statistical data that CCBR collected that um, created equal went in with us to get analyzed um, by a statistics expert indicated that 67 percent of people who saw a victim of abortion felt more negatively about abortion right. just because of what they that's saw. Right. They they didn't have a conversation with anybody. Yeah. We put a million postcards of dead babies in a million mailboxes. That's crazy. And that's those awesome. are they maybe some of them read the postcards. We can't count on that, but that's that's what made the shift. Mm -hmm. We did another uh, um, mm -hmm. um, set of data actually too where we ran our truck on every street in one constituency. Um, we 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 dropped a postcard in every mailbox and we we did uh, activism on every street corner. And the the rock bottom number of people affected um, who were opposed to abortion after seeing this was 38%. Again, this is no conversation. Conversation is um, very, very important, but it's just, again, it's 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 quality over quantity. Yeah. And so we do door knocking as well. Um, Cam Cote, uh, our, our Western outreach director yeah. out in Calgary, they've now been tracking conversations. And in over a thousand conversations, what they've discovered is that 25% of people they talk to who are fully pro-choice become fully pro-life after a conversation with abortion victim photography. If you're talking about people who move significantly towards the pro-life position, that goes up by, by double digits once again. So uh, we can prove that the images by themselves are effective. We do know that. And, you know, I wish we had more polling. Um, yeah. But, you know, we have all the an anecdotal evidence we need, plus just social reform history. Mm. Let's jump real quick to the post-Obs mm. America. Now we're yeah. a year into this after Roe v. Wade's being overturned. You're in the heart of it right now. This mm. is the battle. This yeah. is the mother of all battles. We're yeah. in, Ohio. in Ohio. And we're going to be talking about this, you know, tonight. We're going to be talking mm. about this tomorrow. It's the internship. We've been at this now for six months at least in Ohio preparing for this special election that could raise the threshold to 60%. Mm -hmm. We're staring down the possibility of an abortion amendment here on the Constitution of Ohio. You know, all, all of us wanted Roe overturned. It's overturned mm -hmm. now. We got what we wanted, mm -hmm. and we want a debate of an abortion, but we're over six, brother. How do you see it? <laughs> How do you see it? Well, so I'm of two minds because one, I think people got over the significance of Rose overturn kind of quickly because pro-life leaders are like that. You're in the thick of the battle. I was at it next day. I was like, oh, we're moving on. Buddy. I remember that. No, we were all, we were all, we were all the leadership <laughs> institute too, too, right? Like we're going to have fun, battle, right? Like, you know, you know, t -t today we party, tomorrow we fight sort of thing. Yeah. And and so I agree with that mindset. So I want to, I want to emphasize that the overturn of Dobbs is, is particularly extraordinary because nowhere else in the world that's something that's been done, been so undone. True. 
So that 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 even a historical precedent right. can't be denied. The poll, the, the data significance, no question. The really good data we have indicating that at a bare minimum, tens of thousands of babies no have question. been saved from abortion. Yep. That's definitely 15 happened. states outlawed it. So there's that. 15 states have outlawed. Of course, you know, with the abortion pill, you could say, well, not really. But, you know, let's. let's Some let's, of the studies actually factor that in, though. They do. Um, um, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good data, actually, because I'm usually pretty suspicious of data. Mm -hmm. Most of the data in Canada, for example, is garbage because sure. it doesn't factor yeah. that stuff in. But one of the, the major difficulties is what happened in Michigan, Kentucky, mm -hmm. Montana, and, um, and now it's going to happen here, is that one of the, the big difficulties is the educational arm and the political arm function very differently but yeah. you have the political arm running educational outrage right now in terms of it's a true. lot of the messaging they're establishing and when when you're running a political campaign for a specific candidate um somebody's voting for a package and their pro-life views is only one that's of many point. things that they believe when it's all about abortion um that's that is the ballot question so half the time when somebody votes the gop abortion isn't the ballot question no. all the polling data indicates right. that it often is third or fourth after economic considerations yep. and things like that personality all that kind of stuff plays in right so getting getting a pro life congressman or senator or state legislator elected who's going to who's going to vote for the right bill is a much less complicated thing than a ballot question where abortion is the specific thing they're being asked to cast their vote on. And the only way that you can do that is by defining abortion in the minds of the voters. It is the only way you can do that. The reason I assert that with a level of confidence that some people might think unwarranted is I spent two years writing a book on, on what happened in Ireland. I, right. I interviewed all of the key leaders involved in Ireland's pro-life movement and their abortion referendum in 2018. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you avoid the central question, you lose the argument because you didn't even engage the argument. Mm -hmm. And so the, the the new fight in the pro-life movement is, is how would you respond to this? We don't have enough time to change enough minds on abortion. I hear that from the campaign. They'll say we got to pick these wedge issues, these small wedge issues like parental consent, mm. parental rights, you know, gender surgeries, these kinds of things. Try to move those numbers at the margins yeah but we don't have enough time to move enough people on the issue of abortion how do you what do you think on that because yeah. in some ways i agree with that it's true i mean but we can't not talk about abortion because everybody knows that's what it's about so, they just do 100 so one um it, it's really interesting to me that they're ignoring their own example from the 90s when they realized that if you were going to fight a wedge issue on abortion, you'd go for late term abortion. Exactly. You go for partial birth abortion. That's right. I'm totally OK with like uh, with priming messaging that, that focuses where the, you have the widest amount of common ground. That's but, right. but do what what they did when they trapped Clinton. If Bob Dole had had actually picked up the pro-life movement's messaging exactly. on that, you know, he would have been able to back Clinton into a corner. Clinton yeah. was livid that he had to veto you know, a partial birth abortion ban yeah. because he knew it played badly even it amongst his own base. But Hurting. but I'll be really blunt. People who answer in polls that parental consent is something, you know, that they, they have concerns about, they don't really care that much, though. It doesn't they motivate don't. them to come out. Not it doesn't motivate them to vote. Um, um, like the messaging in Michigan was, you know, sort of too confusing, too extreme. I knew what they were trying to say, and I found it confusing. I just found the messaging really confusing. Right. It's not um, believable either. It, it, it doesn't it's motivate everyone. And, and the secondary response I would give to that, which I think is really important, is the messaging you're competing against. So the abortion movement's got the entire media, so all of their advertising is basically free. Then they've got a massive war chest to supplement that already right. substantial we'll free advertising. And what are they going to hammer? Women will die. Women will die. That's Women will die. Women will die. That's what they're going to say. And, and our gonna, response is, Parental notice, parental, parental consent. <laughs> you know, like, should, should a fifteen-year-old be able to get Or we say it's not about knowing? abortion, and that's what we hear from the campaign. And I'm saying, no, it is. 
and seven out of 10 Americans are against late-term abortion. So why don't we make it at least about that? And we are gonna here at Create Equal. I can tell you that. You know us. We're gonna do our part. So the sure. other, the other, the other thing though about saying it's not about abortion is nobody believes you. I know when you say that. So there's a couple of. So this is a problem. We gotta be. We gotta respond to their thing. It is all about abortion. You have to be honest. You can't just also, say no. Because not. like, let's face it. All of the pro-life groups that are putting forward messaging saying it's not about abortion. Like, it's not true. It is all about abortion. That's why they. That's why they run an anti-abortion organization. Everybody knows it's disingenuous when they say that. Yeah. And so it's what you call being too clever by half. Mm -hmm. You're not taking advantage of a wedge issue when it's yeah. obvious to everybody that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Because, you know, like voters can be dumb, but they're not that overtly stupid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So well. that's why I say too clever by half. Like there's a couple of bills that have been put forward in Canada by MPs who are like, um, we want to discuss uh, like sex, sex selection abortion. Right. This isn't about abortion. This is just about whether or not you can kill a girl because she's a girl. And what everybody says is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that this is about abortion. And it is. It is. So we need People to actually address stupid. the question. We have to have confidence that our position is as solid as it is. We have no to have confidence agree. that showing people how savage and barbaric um, late term abortion, any abortion is, but late term abortion especially I is. completely agree. And I, I tell you this, if I'm going to make it about abortion, we're going to win or lose on that issue. Marjorie, Marjorie Dannenfelser's book. Have, have you read Marjorie Dannenfelser's book, um, Life is Winning? No. She has uh, two sections, one on partial birth abortion. That's like Mike Pence's slogan for president. I think that's where she took it from. <laughs> but the second thing, the, the second thing that she points out is uh, is pain capable. Why did everybody talk about pain capable? Because the Democrats would look like ghouls for for going against it. Right. Because every time you debate it, even if you lose, you still draw attention to the fact that somebody's being painfully dismembered. So you you actually win public education points, even if you lose political points. And so I don't know. I read I read even the books by some of the biggest groups in the country who have very successfully been running state level campaigns on specific pieces of legislation. And I wonder why the tactics would change now. Well, I don't know either. <laughs> so. We still feel like we got a shot here, but we better stop talking about abortion. <laughs> and we're going to find out on August 8th whether we get this threshold up to 60%. But uh, anyway, my guest has been Jonathan Van Maren. He's the communications director for the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform here in Columbus, speaking to our interns tomorrow at our graduation. And we appreciate you coming to our fair city here into the center of all pro-life activism in this country right now, which is the state of Ohio. Mm. Maybe you can come back and help us out before the, end of the election comes in November. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Would love to. All right. Thanks for being on the show. You bet. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jonathan Van Maren from the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. And in future episodes, we're going to be having Jonathan back on the program to talk about the effects of Roe versus Wade, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and the effects that that has had internationally, where countries are moving against abortion, banning abortion. And I think you'll be encouraged by that. So stay tuned for uh, him coming back on the program on future broadcasts. But I want to end the program with two breaking news items. The first comes out of the state of Indiana, where a pro-life law has been put into effect. And according to Life News... They are saying that this law, which was passed in August of 2022, prohibits all abortions except those sought to, due to rape or incest during the first 10 weeks or, quote, substantial or irreversible physical impairment of the mother's health. 
It allows for the killing of preborn babies if the preborn child, quote, suffers from an irremediable, that's a word for you, medical condition that is incompatible with sustained life outside the womb up to 20 weeks. So this is good news coming out of Indiana. Uh, I'll give my comment here in a second, but I think it's informative to read the uh, statement from Indiana Right to Life regarding the the uh, enforcement of this law, that this law has been put into effect. And they see this, while we cannot fully endorse the amended SB1, that's the bill, the Senate Bill 1, due to rape, incest, and lethal fetal anomaly exceptions, we acknowledge the path forward is either the potential to end the vast majority of abortions in Indiana, in Indiana, beginning with the closure of Indiana's abortion clinics in mid-September or allowing all abortions to continue under current law as women from Ohio, Kentucky, and other states traveled to Indiana for abortions. Well, this was written before the uh, law was actually put into effect. But I think it's it's appropriate to say that they cannot fully endorse amended SB1 because it has rape, incest, and lethal fetal anomaly uh, exceptions. Uh, but they do say that the path forward is either the potential to end the vast majority of abortions in Indiana. And that's really, I think, the uh, the point that we need to take here. It's not a perfect law. There really isn't one, to be honest. But this goes a long way to ending abortion in Indiana. In fact, when the, uh, the, the law was put into effect just this week, uh, Indiana abortion clinics were announcing that they were closing shop. And that's good news, right? That makes Indiana abortion-free for all intents and purposes. Now, we understand that Indiana women still can access the pill abortion probably by mail. We get that but you cannot go to an Indiana abortion facility and commit an abortion. And this is good news. Uh, friends, this really uh, plays into the whole idea of the mobile rescue unit, because we right here in Columbus, we uh, our, our organization Create Equals headquartered in Ohio, for now anyway, will become a destination state for Indiana, because right now, currently, unfortunately, we have a 20 week ban on abortion. And so women who want abortions will cross the border to Ohio to have an abortion. This is why it's important that our mobile rescue units, that is ultrasound units, be deployed on the borders of abortion-free states like Indiana. And so we have already set into motion a project that would position our mobile ultrasound unit at the Women's Med Center there in Dayton, because Women from Indiana are going to be coming to Dayton, Ohio, to kill their children. So this mobile rescue unit uh, will soon be deployed, and it couldn't be any sooner because of the now the law being passed in Indiana. So that's good news coming out of Indiana. The second piece of good news comes out of uh, Beverly Hills, California, believe it or not. I mean, you don't hear a whole lot of good pro-life news coming out of California. But as I reported earlier this year uh, with my good friend uh, Tim Clement from the uh, Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust, they, along with Created Equal and other organizations, launched a uh, campaign against the DuPont Clinic that was proposing to set up there in Beverly Hills. And the DuPont Clinic is based out of Washington, D.C., and they uh, purport to commit 
what they call all trimester abortions, abortions up to 32 weeks gestation. And they were going to move or at least uh, locate one of these chop shops in Beverly Hills, California, and they telegraphed it in advance. And survivors, along with other organizations, including Created Equal, mobilized against this clinic. And the good news is that this clinic is not going to open up in Beverly Hills. According to the survivors of the abortion holocaust, they say the DuPont all-trimester abortion clinic is not going into Beverly Hills, according to an email from the deputy city manager. The building management company has rescinded its lease to DuPont after mounting pressure from the pro-life community. Amen. So, again, good news coming out of Beverly Hills, California. The DuPont all-trimester abortion facility is not opening for now. And the uh, campaign launched against it was successful. Now, that's good news for pro-life activists. And basically, it's this. Even though the odds are against you when you try to shut down or at least prevent, in this case, an abortion clinic from opening up in your city, these types of campaigns sometimes succeed. Now, it may be temporary. They may move somewhere else in Beverly Hills or somewhere else in Southern California. That's entirely possible. But uh, all we can do to slow the process of these clinics to be opening, uh, opened up is worthwhile. Plus, the public uh, campaign against the clinic got national uh, national coverage in a lot of conservative uh, blog sites and other media venues. So this is good news. Created Equal was part of this by uh, providing one of our LED screens, our mobile units, to the fight. We were working with our friends out of uh, abortion-free New Mexico, Bud and Tara Shaver, who have a, a, a MTV unit we call mobile television and mobile LED. And we were able to uh, deploy that into Beverly Hills to assist in the effort to try to prevent DuPont Clinic from opening up. And for now, we're successful. So we'll be keeping our eyes on DuPont. I'm sure they're going to be trying to locate this somewhere else in Southern California. And when we find out, we'll be there to fight them as well as we should any place that an abortion clinic attempts to open up. So I wanted to end with these two pieces of good news. Again, Indiana has now put into effect an abortion ban. And because of that, uh, our mobile rescue unit here in Ohio probably is going to play even more of an important role in reaching Indiana women as they likely will be crossing the border, at least temporarily here in Ohio to kill their children. And the DuPont Clinic is not going to open up in Beverly Hills. Praise God. Thanks to be, thanks for all the work that survivors of the abortion holocaust and other partner groups have done to prevent this from happening. So you've been listening to your radio activists here on the Mark Harrington Show. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.